Hi, I'm Peter, and you're listening to Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. Welcome to Season 2. We're so excited to share what we've been working on with all of you. In this episode, we'll be workshopping a story written by our friend Julie Wilson. First, you'll hear her talk a little bit about her story and writing process and how it all came together. And then you'll hear all of this month's readers share a little bit about what they liked in the story and what they think can be improved. In other words, a glow and a grow. So, without further ado, let's start the episode. So Julie is our first writer, so we'll be workshopping her story first. So Julie, if you can just kind of summarize what your story is briefly, that would be great. What are what are we workshopping today? So today you are workshopping an excerpt from actually a longer three-part story that I've been working on for a year two years it's called we were once one and it's about five dragons who are basically looking for powerful orbs to use for their nefarious purposes and um, in this particular story we see the leader of the that five dragon group kyra as she is attempting to start gathering information about the orb that she is pursuing. And along the way, she runs into some pesky humanoids that turn out to be more helpful than she anticipated. And this is kind of the, the, this is in the beginning of the first part. So this is where Kyra first meets these individuals and she, them, uh, they will continue to inadvertently cross paths throughout the rest of the plot as all of them are, for one reason or another, looking for the the dragon orb that Kyra is seeking. Interesting. And so since this is just the intro, I don't want to like talk about my thoughts, but this was clearly kind of based on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, So I kind of wanted to ask where, where you got the story idea from and like where you got this world from and Am I correct in saying that this is very D&D based? And like, was this even a campaign of yours? I don't know. So actually, it's the other way around. The The world is actually, the world is called the Eight Realms because there are eight realms, obviously. Um, it's in the name. Sometimes I'm a very obvious person and sometimes I'm not. I've discovered that the way I spell names and the way I pronounce the names is not always consistent or easy to catch on. Uh, and that, wow, I'm blabbering now. To get back to the story, um, the world itself, The Eight Realms, is actually based off of a 2001 video game for PlayStation 2 called Gauntlet Dark Legacy, in which there are eight realms that you have to play through to defeat the evil demon Scorn and uh, his eventual successor, Garm. 
I played that a lot as a kid. I, I wrote a lot about that world as a kid. So The Eight Realms is a byproduct of 14 years of brooding over this video game and how I would write in that world and, and how I changed things um, from the video game to my version of The Eight Realms. So the the world itself has actually been cooking in my brain for over half my life now. Uh, but the story with Kyra and the Dragons is influenced by D&D. I, I do play D&D a lot, as you know, Peter, because we've played a little bit together, which is very fun. The dragon types are based off of the D&D dragon types. Kyra is a, a black dragon, which is one of the chromatic dragons, which are typically you know evil, typically. And Mal, um, whom we meet in the story and we discover with Kyra is a bronze dragon, which are metallic dragons and typically some version of good. One of the goals of the story is to play with that rigid rigidity between good and evil between the dragons. So I'll eventually have some chromatic dragons that verge more over to the good side than to the evil side. And um, even one or two metallic dragons that go dark um, and do evil things for evil purposes. Do you have any plans? I mean, you said you've written more for this already. So do you, you have plans about like where this story is going and like what you want to do with the story? Yes. So the story follows the five different chromatic dragons uh, that are seeking these powerful orbs. It's funny because I have different segments of the plot figured out for certain kinds of dragons. So Brutus is the red dragon. And I don't really know what goes on in book one with him. I have an idea, but I haven't really written anything down. But I really know... I write more about what happens to him in books two and three. Some characters, I I don't even have much of an idea of how I'm going to write them. I Dagar is the green dragon, and she's the nasty one. She is a jerk face. And I want her to be like that, but I'm also hesitant to write her because she's such a jerk. Um, <laughs> insert whatever strong word you want in that pregnant pause between ah uh, and jerk. To censor myself, I'll just say jerk. But I, I've i thought about what she's like and how she affects the other characters, but um, I've had a, hard, a bit of a hard time actually writing in her voice because she's just a jerk. And then um, Iceland, the White Dragon, is probably one of my favorites because she says as little as possible. She's so antisocial, and I love it dearly. So yeah, I, I have different ideas um it is across three books and different characters go through different growths or not growths but i haven't figured everything out so i i'm still the the other day when i was driving back from indiana to delaware i figured out oh there's a couple of plot points that i can work on so it's it's a constant project and it's a nice break from being a phd in english literature Jumping into the D&D realm, I'm sure. Oh, delightful. <laughs> I think kind of my last question, because I, again, I want to keep this kind of short and more broad. Why are you writing this? What do you hope readers will get out of it? I love dragons. And I really love the D&D dragons. And I've loved learning about them obsessively. And memorizing a lot of random details about them and i love playing with expectations with the reader's expectations so if the monster manual in D says that black dragons are evil it makes me think okay how would one black dragon 
Like, is it really that simple? Uh, I like the idea of dragon orbs. I actually did have one of my players in one of my campaigns release an ancient black dragon from this dragon orb. And that intrigues me too, because, you know, what, what's going through that black dragon's mind? You know, he's, he's been in this orb for millennia and suddenly he's out. How disoriented is he? Has he changed at all during his time in the orb? So actually, um, spoiler alert, in one of the later books, we see that some dragons start getting released from the orbs and major T follows. A part of it is just, I enjoy writing about the eight realms. I enjoy writing about dragons and I have different characters that I, I just want to explore. Part of me like, in the story, there are moments where I'm I'm trying to talk about Christianity and how do you put that into a fantasy narrative and how do I write about that? Um, because that's really hard for me to do without sounding preachy or cliche or I, 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 I struggle with that. And I don't know how others read it because I haven't really had anyone read much of what I write. So this I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what people say about this. And if we continue doing workshops, I might send more of the story. Yeah. Season three. Season <laughs> Yeah. Get through season two first. And get through season two. One last question. Yeah. Can be a yes or no answer. Have you read the Dragonlance books? It's like a trilogy have, of books. I have not. I will write that down. Is that a good Your thing story to look just at? reminded me of it. Okay. Some of the plots do get dark in, in my story, but Kyra's is at least for book one, it's pretty it's pretty PG. There there's some heavy stuff that comes around at book two. But this mm-hmm. you requested PG and I give you PG. Also I love Risa. I can't wait to see what other people have to say about Risa. And now, let's jump into the workshop. We'll be starting off the workshop with everyone sharing one thing that they really enjoyed about the story, and one thing that they thought could be improved. Just as a reminder, Julie will not be responding to anything we say in this episode. The goal of the workshop isn't for us to learn more about what the writer is thinking, but for the writer to learn more about how their work is interpreted. So, with that being said, who wants to go first? Uh, yeah, so I thought that one of the, the greatest strength of this piece, um, begins around page five. Um, it's, we're sort of settled into it. Uh, you know, we meet the character of Kira, who's already in the story, but we meet, um, uh, Shane and Risa, um, and Mal, and, uh, it's, there's sort of an introductory section, but, uh, around page five, and especially as of page seven, um, uh, the story starts starts to engage with uh, what I what I affectionately call in my notes a fun D and D romp, um, uh, which is extremely what I feel like the vibe of this piece is, and it's it's great strength also is it's just fun, um, and uh, a lot of the pieces I I tend to read these days are very serious, emotionally driven, and not that this piece doesn't have uh, emotional interrogation. Um, but I felt it was a, a strong breath of fresh air in that the piece is just kind of having fun with a, you know, D&D style romp where, you know, the uh, the monk runs off and breaks through a window and like is just like, all right, we're going at this uh, straight from the top. Um, and it was engaging in that in that regard. Um, and I could I could sort of like mentally fill in. And I feel like this piece will play especially well um, 
uh, it, a, a lot of people are D and D players now, but just like even if you don't, um, there's uh, there, it sort of also fits into that sort of mildly sitcommy like sort of Firefly or just like any fantasy adventure like Merlin or whatever, just like a group of kind of idiots um, trying to 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 carry out a task uh, and mostly mostly failing. Um, so I appreciated that aspect. For me, the the my issue was the story starts with a clear sense of purpose. Um, Kira has come into the city because she wants information to try and find the nest. Um, and uh, it, it sort of drops that beyond a per- once the romp starts, actually, around the same part of the stuff that I like the most started um, around about page five uh, when, the, when they're confronted by the guards um, and they realize they got to get out of there. And it's fine to me that they now need to escape the town, uh, now need to escape the city, because the, the uh, obviously that means that they're not going to be overhearing anything useful now. You know, information-grabbing missions require a certain amount of stealth. However, it's never really addressed that this mission is now a failure. Or, alternatively, perhaps the dwarf and Risa got information while they infiltrated... Um, and if that's the case, if they were doing things while they, they were being confronted with the guards, uh, then why did Kira not immediately turn around and be like, okay, I need to go kidnap that elf, or I need to go kidnap that dwarf. Like, they've got information now that I that I could need, that I needed and could use. It felt like the story just uh, dropped that, and I'm sure since this is part of a larger work that that will be addressed in the future, but qua story here, it felt a little bit like... Um, uh, in the in the fun D and D romp and in all that stuff, like it felt like we lost a little bit of the purpose that we had early earlier on, and I would have liked that to have been addressed and uh, sort of handled, uh, and it would have. Um, uh, oh, and a very small thing. I know this is unrelated, but it's a very small thing. But uh, it mentions uh, later on that the bitter root has a one hour um, uh, time limit. If you mention that at the beginning of the story and like ref- drop a couple reference to that throughout the story, it ups the tension significantly. Very small note, but something that would just overall improve my experience and just add a little bit of tension and a little bit of energy, as um, my writing group would say, as as Stuart Saunders would say. It's you want to like always be adding energy, not necessarily always tension, but always having energy flow from one part of the story to another, and that would start us off um, and give it give a, a a greater sense of that throughout the narrative. Thank you, Andy. Um, also, just a quick note, if someone says something and you're like, oh, like, I wish I had gone before so I could have said that, um, you are totally welcome and encouraged to repeat things that people have said before, because that only reinforces that either that thing was amazing or that thing needs work. Um, so really don't worry about that. But with that being said, who wants to go next? Howdy. So I would say say that something that really struck me immediately was this tone of voice that the story has and how little things are just sort of from this dragon's perspective in a human city and I think that was amazing like how she's like the door is stuck and then uh it's not stuck it's locked and just like little things like that are like she's like and then I stretched my wings haha no I didn't I just scowled um I thought that was amazing um And if I had to say one thing that sort of ties in with what Andy was saying, but also doesn't, is that for me, it sort of felt like the pacing got away from it, where you start out with this very clear goal, and then it just kind of runs and goes somewhere else. 
Uh, that's the best way that I can describe how it appeared to me. But I, I thought that the characters and like I, I, the random, the level of just like stuff happening was great. And how, and that little, that little tweak in perspective just made it so good. So I wanted to mention that for sure. Thank you, Caitlin. Who wants to share next? Hey, so I really liked um, something I thought that was really good was I really liked the di- uh, the dynamic between Shane and Risa or the contrast between the two. I think they were really good, um, I guess, foils of each other. And I don't know uh, how Risa was uh, kind of insane and unpredictable. And then Shane was more careful and, um, I don't know, reserved and less, you know, crazy. Um I don't know. I thought that really brought out the characteristics of both characters. They were really good characters, very well-written. I thought you did this really well with, um, I guess, through the dialogue where um, Kane would say, oh, and then Reese is going to do another crazy thing. Um, and that, that was, I thought that was really good, good really well-written. Um, something that I thought could be improved. Um, I think this is kind of a small thing and uh, possibly just a me thing, but at the end, the la- the very last line, you say, um, sorry, let me find it. You say, she didn't need them. And I think, um, for me, this is a little bit too much of telling rather than showing. Like, we, you characterized Ky- Kyra um, so well that I think, uh, I guess you just have to trust the reader to, you know, understand why she reacted um the way she did why um her thoughts um to figure out her her thoughts at the end and yeah so i think um just for me i think that would be that's a little bit too much telling rather than showing but all in all i think it was a great story it was really fun awesome thank you julianne who wants to go next okay so I love the way that you write characters. They're all really believable and well informed by the dialogue, um, like the others have said. Um, I think that it's like a clear strength in your writing. Um, my critique is a bit more of the word based than the story based, but it's just that I think that a really good way to easily elevate your writing is to include more descriptions of like introducing setting and characters. So they're all sort of described by their character races, which is like a good shorthand, but I don't think you can depend on everyone having experiences with half fogs um, and other D&D creatures. Like I... <laughs> love Critical Role. So I know what a half-orc looks like, but I don't think you can, like, depend that anybody who would pick up this book would know that they have, like, green skin and stuff like that. And um, I think that the the variations of, like, what these characters look like, like, hair texture, clothes, like, you never really describe um, Kira's physical appearance, even though she's, like, in a new body. Um it would be interesting to explore like what she looks like, how she got like the clothes that she's wearing. 
and and like just like her thinking about her own body and maybe having like heightened senses because she's a dragon so she would like pick up on a bunch of things and maybe be able to tell when other characters are nervous by being able to hear heartbeats really loudly or something like that um yeah I think that just there was a lack of description that was a bit distracting like when you describe the dwarf popping his head out of the window and I was like what window where what does anything look like um but yeah it's really hard to like integrate description into a story like it's a really tough thing to learn how to do well um and I think that it would be great like my favorite thing in fantasy books is like descriptions of food and like frizzled characters so I think that like just peppering in some more characteristics um I do have some advice like my favorite writing homework I ever did was um you're supposed to sit in a public place and just write down what you experience for a full hour um and then you have like a time capsule of an hour of your life and you also get better at writing description and then I also saw a hack that was like write down three things about a character when you introduce them and you do like two mundane things and then a attribute that's unusual um like something that wouldn't normally be found in an environment um because that creates something that you can always go back to I don't know if you've read um now I have to remember the name um The Great Gatsby. I don't know if you've read The Great Gatsby, but there's like a character that's described by his glasses every time he's mentioned. And just like something like that, rather than just the race. Awesome. Thank you, Mel. Who wants to go next? Izzy? Sure, I'll go. Um, Yeah, I'm going to second or third or whatever. I love the sort of rompy um, nature of the latter half of the story. And to the point where I had kind of forgotten that there was a sort of further point and I didn't really care that she didn't get the information. And I think in some ways the distraction that you pose with the bronze dragon could be sort of the hinge point to her making a decision. Like she chooses to leave to not engage with the bronze dragon. And I think if that was fleshed out a little bit more as a decision, like you know, cost-benefit analysis kind of thing that could make a little bit more sense. But I really thoroughly enjoyed the romp through the town and um, just it was a lot of fun to read. And I think the pacing for that part matched up well. And the beginning was more exposition a little bit slower, but very much appreciated that, you know, random cart ride with a I'm not sure if there was an actual rabbit or if the rabbit was invisible, but um, the rabbit-drawn cart idea was very fun. And I guess my grow would be, um, I think sometimes the word choice was a little bit like just not as exciting or energizing as it could be in um, some descriptions or like if it was a list of like they're eating cabbages, carrots, and peas. We don't actually need to know all of that. You could have just said vegetables and like that. Sometimes there was information like that that was provided that I was like, I don't need to know all of this. But sometimes I think it could have been spiced up a bit and it would have been 
more meaningful to read. So I think it's just finding a balance of like which details to include and like how to include them to excite the reader with, you know, not necessarily fancy words, but just um, words that have a, an impact or provide like, like build into the tone and aren't just like a neutral connotation. Cause I think it was not that the words were bad. It was just that they were more on the neutral end. It was a great story to read though. So thank you so much for sharing it. Okay, Sammy. Yeah, sure. Like, like everyone else said, I really loved the uh, colorful characters. And I thought the fact that each character had their own like unique voice and their own personality shine through. That was really awesome. It's like, a, that's a tough thing to do. And the humor and the banter really lands for me. And like what Izzy said, I really liked the moment with the rabbit and the idea of having some kind of, uh, I think, I don't know if it was magical or like a summon or... Uh, literal but just having a rabbit you have to yell carrot at to make it go faster i thought that was really a uh, really funny idea and i, I had to be like uh, laughing right uh but for a grow okay so i'm talking about this in the perspective from the perspective that this is a chapter in a broader story i think like you mentioned that there's stuff before this there will be stuff after this but i think like what andy and caitlin said I feel like it's missing a sense of plot progression based on how you presented it. Like from the start, uh, Kyra is going to this town council to probably find information about this orb and to continue her search for the orb. So that's what I'm really uh, looking for almost subconsciously when I'm starting this chapter. And by the end of this chapter, right, she's no closer to this orb than she was before. So that kind of almost makes me feel subconsciously like nothing happened even though all this really exciting stuff was going on and we got introduced to new characters and we saw the bronze dragon just because of how it was presented from the start so i think either it, uh, i feel like either it might be good to either present uh kyra's purpose in a different way maybe she's like feeling lonely or curious about the human world so that way her interactions with the human world can kind of feel like a plot progression, or she probably needs to find more information about this uh, orb somehow and get closer to her goal that way. Thank you, Sammy. Yeah, I think for my glow, like, I just have to echo all the praise about, like, the language and the characters. I think that was amazing. Um, and specifically, like, to to piggyback off of Julianne's comment, I thought Risa was just amazing. Um, she was just a really standout character. And I think, like, even for me who, like, I don't know D&D that well. I've played it before, like, a little bit, but I, I don't know it nearly as well as you do. Um, I had this expectation of, like, an elf kind of being, like, that mean, like, king guy from The Hobbit who's like, oh, Legolas, you can't go and do do whatever it is you're doing now. Um and obviously that's not what Risa is like. She's just like, I don't know what she's doing. She's just there, like, breaking into buildings and, like, rescuing dwarves and things. So it was really cool seeing um, her kind of just defy expectations in that way. And then I think my grow, I think the main thing, like, I I kind of want to follow up on what Mel said about some of just the description and the world building but I kind of want to veer off a little bit more into like what 
the actual world is and what like what is the town like what is the importance of this council how exactly do they govern i don't know obviously like there's there's a lot of information you could provide that would be just unnecessary towards your story so like you you shouldn't feel the need to clarify like everything just the geographer in me wants to know the socio-political <laughs> environment that kira uh the is kyra kira um has walked into so I, I think that would be it has so everyone has shared i think and i think we're doing okay with time so i know i want to end with everyone like sharing their favorite line but if there's any before we get there, if there's anything that you want to respond to that anyone else has said, um, maybe you agree with someone's comment or maybe you disagree with it um, or maybe there's just something that you want to add on now. Now would be the time for that. Um, with what was said about the motivations of the characters, that was also something I mentioned. I was a bit confused about like what the characters goals were and why they were doing what they were doing and I think that a way to connect this chapter to the wider plot that's hinted at by the ongoing goals of the protagonist is to have a character one of the characters we're introduced to have a connection with the object that she's seeking so like she learns that the two of them have intercepted a letter maybe that is something that is like strongly linked with the actual plot or someone says something that would make her think that they are someone that she needs to target otherwise it might seem like the chapter is completely disconnected to the rest of the story other than the bronze dragon of course um, I just wanted to say that another really interesting peek kind of into the character development, and I'm not quite sure what it's alluding to because it is only a small s- snippet of a whole story, is that moment when Kira slash Kyra, I don't know how to say words, um, knocks all the guards out and is like robbing them and everyone's respective like response to that and especially hers. Um, I think that's a really interesting window into like character development. And I think that I just wanted to mention that I thought that was having a moment like that was really great where you can see a little bit more deeply besides just like a general like vibe of a character to see like more of like thoughts, I guess, if that makes sense. I want to follow up on that before you go, Andy, because that was almost my grow that I shared. Because I, when I read that, I thought it was interesting, but like a little jarring. I thought Kira had been there to like really just focus and get the um the thing from the council members, and then there was this kind of like I, I thought her just suddenly going and trying to rob the guards was just a, like a little bit jarring and unnecessary, and like not important to whatever her mission is so yeah it seemed just a little bit out of place but i definitely see what caitlin's saying like it it even though i think it seems out of place it also seems 
very interesting and is a good character moment at the same time. I don't know if this is uh, kind of just a, a cultural reaction I had, but when we were first meeting everyone and meeting Shane especially, there's this tension of, well, I don't trust you. I don't trust you either. And the two of us are sort of like staring at each other. And it felt a little on the nose at time, the dialogue, like, um, I do not trust you. You do not trust me. We mutually do not trust each other. Um, and I think, well, first off, whenever you meet a stranger, of course you don't trust them, like, immediately. That's part of meeting strangers, especially in these particular circumstances. So that uh, that's sort of implied in the conversation and I think can be imbued in the dialogue without being so straightforwardly stated. And I think that part of the, the problem with that, and it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth, worth mentioning even to this extent, except that, like, post the Avengers um, and post Justice League, like the heroes meet each other or like the, t the, the group meet each other and no one trusts anyone else is such a, such a trope these days that it's just um, it, it like, even when it's, it, it was, a, it, it only lasted very briefly and it wasn't like, it wouldn't be super offensive except that it's so in the cultural milieu that to me, it felt like, all right, yes, we're, the heroes are meeting each other or the group are meeting each other and they're not going to trust each other at first, but they will be pushed together. And it felt very much in that sense. And that's sort of like, inoffensive in a vacuum but because uh we exist in a particular cultural context to me that scene played a little more cliche than it might otherwise have done i kind of felt the same but i also kind of felt the opposite not that anything you said was wrong but that um i felt like sometimes the characters were too trusting of each other and they would give out information about themselves and i was like why are you trusting each other? There's no reason for that to be happening unless you have other motivations. And I think it would be really interesting if they tried to pretend like they got along, but because she's a dragon and not a human, she's like incredibly like bad at trying to pretend to like people. Um, and yeah, I think that could... Like, because the last half of the story is quite, like, humor-driven. So maybe that is a good way of bringing that through the whole story as well. Does anyone else have anything they they want to add? Yeah, I'm just, I'll just say that, uh, yeah, even as someone who doesn't play d and I really enjoyed reading this uh, story. And I definitely think that... Uh, when you publish it, wherever you decide to publish it, I think especially people who play D&D, they, they will read this story. If even someone like me who's like, I don't know the difference between like a Paladin and a Ranger or whatever. And, and this was fun fun to look at. It's, it makes me imagine like a D&D &D movie or something like that. That's the vibe I get. Yeah, it did feel very D&D &D to me. And I feel like I I think that partly added to the fun and it just seemed like a really fun adventure and i was just like imagining um i think i even asked you about this like i, I was curious if it was a campaign that you had played with friends because i can totally see like just the group of friends um kind of interacting like this so it, it's it was definitely just like really fun i i do play D, &D um and this is set in a world where I play D like it's this is in the world that I use when I'm playing D D with my friends. I play homebrew, which just means I make up the world that we play in. Um, but this has never happened. Like that we've never this is not based on actual like characters, Kyra. Like 
I've never played this scenario through with players. But yeah, uh, I'll I'll just say that, and I'll also say thank you guys. I, I I've been scribbling down notes because this has all been really helpful. So thank you. So I want to move on to everyone's favorite line, and I can kind of just get us started. And this can be like however insightful or random you want it to be. Try to keep it short. It doesn't have to strictly be like a line, but don't pick like a whole page. So the thing that I thought was really funny, just like one of my favorite lines, and it just speaks to how endearing Risa is uh, when they kind of meet each other. They're they're talking about like the council, and I think Shane the orc was like, oh, you think their meeting is, like, silly? And then, so Kyra says, and how do you know what they're discussing? And then Risa just says, oh, he intercepted a letter, the elf said absentmindedly. And then the orc just goes, Risa? Um, So I just, I really love that moment. I think it just really speaks to how (laughs) fun Risa is, and how just, like, willing to trust everyone she is. And the dynamic between her and and Shane, too which was just amazing. Uh, yeah, so my favorite line, uh, just because I thought this was a both very funny and a great way of introducing this, um, uh, why is there a giant spectral rabbit in front of the cart, the dwarf asked. I don't know, asked the spellcaster. Um, uh, both very funny and also just like, it's one of the it's one of the few times when there was a lack of description given when I think it really worked to introduce that via dialogue um, because it it immediately popped into my head um, and it worked with the comedy it flowed with the story so far so in that regard um, I think that 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 line very much played for me. The rabbit was amazing. Yeah, I just have to say I just I just really love the whole rabbit scene. So my favorite line has to be carrots, carrots, and it's just the fact also that like. All these different characters are saying it too. So you can just imagine in your mind, like, oh, Risa's like cheerful delivery versus Shane, who is this very serious person just yelling parrots at this giant spectral rabbit. And that was really comedic to me. And just to like quickly add on, can the people around them see the rabbit? Or is all the like people in the village just going like, why are they yelling carrots? So my line is sort of in that area. Uh, I don't see any horses or oxes around, Kyra said as they worked. Shane set down a cart and paused to catch his breath. I was hoping you could solve that problem. What, you think I can just conjure up magical steeds to pull the cart? Shane raised his eyebrows. You're a spellcaster, right? Isn't there any some kind of charm or enchantment you could do? And this is the line. Kyra huffed in annoyance. There are 17 to be precise, but I'd need specific ingredients to cast any one of them. Because that's not what I was expecting her to say, I wasn't expecting her to go, yep, there's exactly 17 of them. I was expecting you to go, no, what do, you, do you understand how this works? But that wasn't the case at all. She was like, I can do that, but also, yes, but also no, as I often say in my day-to-day life. Uh, and I thought that that was just, just a very fun moment. Um and it says a lot about uh, her magic as well in that quick moment, which is fun. Mine was in the, towards the beginning or middle-ish of the story when Kyra is just talking to Shane and 
they're like don't hurt the guards they haven't hurt us uh, this is the bronze dragon saying don't hurt them and Kyra's like why not and this is the line that I loved Kyra threw back her shoulders and spread her wings just kidding she was still in human form so the best she could do was glower which Caitlin mentioned earlier and I just really enjoyed that line because you know I thought it was a good callback to the fact that she's not human and she's not used to this body at all. So I thought it was, you know, a fun little character moment. Yeah, so mine is also towards the rabbit area and it's kind of also the carrots line, but I specifically like um, the one said by Risa, how it's just carrots, Risa called out cheerfully. And um, she's just, she's just so happy to be there. She she's not even supposed to call out carrots and she does i don't know i that made me laugh out loud i i love that line i had two uh one was a bit with the rabbit so i really like the line the spectre rabbit put on a boost of speed sending cart lurching forward i feel like it's very good like you can visualize the action it's literally driving the story forward and it's just a great image. And then I also really liked Kyra wondered if she could break down the door with these human muscles. Doubtful. I thought that was a very good character moment. So we all love the rabbit, apparently. But that'll that'll be all. So Julie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Is there any last minute thing that you kind of just want to say? to everyone no just just to say thank you again um i was really nervous for some reason about doing this uh because i yeah it's 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 been a hot minute since i've i've shared this kind of of work so so thank you for all the really kind feedback and all the really helpful feedback again scribbling notes taking it down this has been really helpful and really encouraging so thank you all And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and learned something from our workshop. You can check us out on Twitter at Dragons. You can also find exclusive episodes on our Patreon. Until next time, don't let the day drag on. It's a fun closing line from Andy. So thank you for that, Andy. The show is now just you singing. It's Julie's debut. (laughs) I did. I, I do have a singing background. True, true.